Hi, and welcome back to Costumes and Coffee, where we have conversations with the artists who create the latest in fashion, costume design, and culture. Today on the show, we have Leslie Cavanaugh, who is the costume designer for season five of The Handmaid's Tale. Grab a cup of coffee and join us. Good morning, Leslie. How are you? I am so well. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Um, well, thank you so much for asking. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely, because this season is just phenomenal. The season of The Handmaid's Tale is phenomenal. So um, I want to get started, though, backing it up a little bit. I want to talk specifically about you. Um, was costume designing something that you always wanted to do? Was this like on your list of things to do or was it like you just landed here? Great question. It's, um, I, my sister was a costume designer here in Toronto and that's kind of how I was introduced to the film and television world at all. And, um, I had gone to theater school and I had just, thought at one point that I wanted to be on the other side of the camera. And um, then what ended up happening was I went and lived with my sister in the summer between semesters. And here in Toronto, film was really, really busy. And, uh, you know, they were looking for people and there's a lot of new people coming in. And she knew people like that said, well, let's get your sister out because we know her and we can train her. And I was just kind of like, know about that but I was just like but then when I was like oh what you could make some money okay <laughs> so I went and I, I took this like part-time job and um came out and just started working in film that way in the costume department and you know I do feel very lucky uh and blessed I you know I know it sounds so hallmark or whatever but I had such amazing mentorship coming up and I and I had so many great people that took me under their wing and believed in me and 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 spent time with me and really trained me which gave me the confidence and furthered the interest that I didn't even know I had in the costume world and so for me I actually started at the very very bottom nice. and I have worked my way up and I've done almost every single position within the department with the exception of cutting um, you don't want to see my cutting. It's terrible. And I just don't have a straight hand, no matter how hard I try. <laughs> and, um, so that's kind of, you know, how I started. I used to be an on-floor costume set supervisor, you know, dealing with the cast and continuity and being really, and I really loved that side of it. And I, and I loved being there and I thought that I would probably stay there forever. And then just opportunities arose where, you know, I was always looking to further challenge myself and try new things. And one of the things that I always wanted to really be was very well-rounded within the costume department so that I could never be without work. Um, I'm sure you understand that side. It's like, can be feast or famine. And the more well-rounded you are, the easier it is to just keep working. Yeah. And so I never really wanted to get pigeonholed into one position only I wanted to have other skills so if I wasn't on the set doing stuff that I would have other skill set and then just from that all these amazing opportunities came my way and I just kept taking them and um lo and behold I was pretty good I guess because I kept getting called back <laughs> and, here, and here I am 
nice, nice. No, it definitely speaks to a well-rounded designer. Like once you once you matriculate up the department and you've touched every single role, not only do you know how everything works like logistically, so you can always, you know, step into the process when you need to and manage that process the way you need to, but you know, you design the way. You you design a different way because you've been in all of these positions. And so I just wanted you to as a designer just to harp on the importance of learning those positions and really learning what roles play into getting this thing done. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really great because I feel that, um, I am at an advantage having been in every position. Uh, communication is a very strong suit of mine. Um, having been able to be in every position, I do know what it's like in those shoes, starting from the very bottom I have been a supervisor as well, like yourself. And that, you know, is a whole different aspect of the costume department that it's not that it's not creative. It's creative in a different way because you are, you know, you are the logistics person, you are the crewer, you are, you know, dealing, you're, you're dealing with accounting, you're dealing, you're dealing with different departments in a different way. So it is very, um, you know, it's really important to be able to understand that side of things. And I think what gives me the advantage is being a truck costumer, you know, a personal dresser and a set supervisor. I have been in the trenches. I have got my hands dirty plenty of times with joy. I had a lot of, I did a lot of horror and stunt, big stunt action shows in my, in my background and getting in there and knowing what it means to deal with prosthetics or stunts. If you're squibbing people or putting harnesses on uh, all these things that really allow me to prepare my team for success in these moments and having that knowledge and being able to talk to them. And, you know, it still is, things are changing for sure. And there's lots of progression, but it's still in those, in certain departments, it still is a little bit more male dominated and to go in as a female department head and be able to stand up and say, that's not going to work because of these reasons. And everyone, not just like, you know, we'll, we'll just, don't worry, we'll sort it out. It's like, well, you're not going to sort it out because this affects the costume greatly. Let's talk about it here. And in my experiences, you're going to actually need to put a jerk vest on that person because A, B, and C, you know, so I can talk and know what I'm talking about. And that comes really from having those experiences. I have the weirdest set of skills (laughs) that, you know, not necessarily translatable into like an everyday nine to five office job per se, but it really gives me an edge, I think, in the film and television community, because I can translate that experience of dealing with something weird into each and every project I go to and being able to adjust or manipulate, or I like to say pivot, you know, to whatever that story is for that. Cause you know, what we do, it's the same concept you know there's a story we all have to tell it there's a beginning a middle and end that doesn't change even if it's a series or a feature the series maybe is just a bit longer but you know so it's all the same but it's every story is what's unique and the character so how do you implement that into each thing and and that's kind of I think I do believe having worked my way up does give me that advantage I really try hard to make sure that every single person in my department knows that they're super appreciated and that they are a very important part of the puzzle because I'm as good as I am because I have this fantastic crew behind me that, you know, helps me to bring my vision to life. And, um, 
there's so many skilled artisans out there in whatever it is they do. And I do think that being able to be relatable to their situation. Sometimes people think that costume designers don't understand. It's been a hot second, maybe since they've done it. And it, for me, you know, checking in and being a part, I'm very hands-on. I'm probably more so than some people would like, but I'm just sort of, um, you know, I get in there and I want to know how they're doing. And I go and I will go and I'll help dress background on the day if it's needed. I will go into the background, um, you know, uh, stock room area and look and see what's happening. Like I'm very involved that way because I think it's important. You know, I do think I, I will, I try. And I think it's important to try to lead by example and to let people know that there is nobody here that's better than anybody, myself included. We are a team. We are a unified force to bring our side of the story, which is the costume side to life. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. I love that. And speaking of bringing stories to life, let's jump into season five. You have taken the driver's seat as designer and this season is fashionably loud. I'll say that's one of the things that I, that's one of the ways that I describe it. And the other one is just colorfully delightful is the other thing that I use to, to describe it. And just, it's just bomb. Like it's, it's a really, it's refreshing to see these characters really come to life. And so I want to start with, um, just this being your first your first season as the designer on this show, the characters are established, but as we both know, the story keeps going. And so you've taken the driver's seat. Tell me how you prepared for this season. Like, were you already a fan of the show? Did you go back and watch episodes? So um, I am coming in for season five as a new designer. And, you know, every time you take a project and it's already been in the works for a while, you sort of ask yourself, what can I bring to the table? How can I put my own stamp on this? And what was really great for season five for a costume designer is that the show starts to go in a slightly different trajectory in that. June is now in the free world of Canada and more specifically Toronto and which is where we shoot it. So that's great. And what is her story now? We've seen her in flashbacks. We have seen her obviously in the handmaid's world in Gilead, but what is June now? Where is she now and who is she now? Which was really fun to explore with Elizabeth Moss and, and talk about that. But, you know, on the flip side of that stuff is Gilead itself is trying to you know, the whole point and the spectacle of the funeral episode was to put Gilead openly on show for the world to try to say, hey, we have this great nation that you should all want to be a part of. And it's really good. And our ways are healthy and happy. And look at our people. We're good. And so it was trying to also show that Gilead's not super stagnant, that they have some movement in their world because they are trying to I guess go with the times a little bit. They don't want to progress too much because the whole point of their world is suppression in a way that they feel makes the world beautifully unique for them. Mm -hmm. And of course, everyone else is like, are you guys nuts? <laughs> That's not good. And so for me trying to come in season five, it was really to create very strong visual cues to separate the difference of life in Toronto and then life in Gilead. I was able to really push a few boundaries this season for Gilead uh, in I loved your description of making it fashion, like, you know, giving a little bit more of that. And it was on 
it was a conscious decision to do that based on discussions we had. Um, and then with June and Moira and Luke, everyone in Toronto, it was really, you know, the show it's for me, it was about layering for them because our series, the way it typically shoots is one episode is almost like a full day or a full couple of days. It runs into each other. Mm-hmm. And so it's like trying to make sure to have layers so we could peel them back and then layer them back up if they're outside, if they're inside and to be able to show different pieces of them underneath, like they're not just a winter coat all the time. And one of the really amazing things for this season too was Handmaid's Tales never shot in warm weather before. It's traditionally been all through the winter. And so we never really got to see stuff in brighter colors, happier, you know, bringing some different patterns and textures into the world. And that was a really great part for me was being able to show that we're seeing them in t-shirts and we're seeing them you know, we don't do shorts in the show, but like just with pants and lightweight coats and being able to really brighten things up a little bit. That was the same thing in the world of Gilead, really brightening the hues of the blues and teals that I was using for the ladies in Gilead and, and, um, you know, showcasing the spring summer collection. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I absolutely love that. So like you were saying, color plays a very significant role in this, in this story specifically, but costumes, for me, the costumes, again, they speak without even the character saying anything. So when we talk about that funeral look and that the reds, the blacks, the golds, um, we see Elizabeth Moss in the white dress um, with, you know, the big puffer sleeve. And we see that amazing black funeral dress of Serena's um, and she's in the veil. Can you give me some insight into aesthetic for the moment, like for that moment, like what went into creating that scene? So when I started on the show, the only thing like the funeral was episode two and um, the first episode was all direct continuity to season four. So I was a little bit off the hook for, you know, we had to make some day player. We had some day players and stuff and that, but actual, the June costume was continuity because it takes, it's a direct cut. So I was a little bit off the hook for that episode. So shout out to season four people. Um, and, um, it was, it allowed me to put all my focus into the ballet episode, which is, you know, the funeral with Serena and June at the ballet. And, you know, originally, I'm sorry to cut you off, but it's interesting that you say that because that does feel like the refresher. Like I was saying in the beginning, that feels like the refresher in the opening to you, Leslie, you know, the the costume designer. It kind of was really my, hello, I'm here (laughs) moment. And what better way to make an entrance, I tell you. Yeah, you know, when I interviewed for to, for the job, they didn't give me a script. They didn't tell me. All they just said was, um, there's going to be a funeral. And we'd just like to hear your thoughts on that. And I was kind of like, oh, okay. So obviously, you know, anyone that watches the show and had seen season four, the guess would be whose funeral it was, which was Fred, you know, Commander Fred Waterford. And um, he is a commander and he's a high ranking commander and he was a founding father of Gilead and he's Serena Joy's husband. Like you're thinking all these things. So I, I just was like, showstopper, like, you know, like it had to be. And, you know, Serena's going back. There's a couple of things that play for me here. Serena's going back to Gilead 
to make her mark. She thinks she's going to go back with all this power being pregnant with Fred's baby. She somehow, I think, truly believes in Gilead. She really does. And I think she really truly believes that Gilead can change a little bit and that she could be accepted in Fred's place. And she wants to go back and assert that. You know, she also has all of her suspicions that, you know, Lawrence and Nick, they're involved in the demise of Fred. And she's using that to her advantage to get what she wants. But, you know, she goes and she stands up to all those commanders and says, like, this is what we need to do. She does it in a slightly respectful way to not push that too far, but to really put that, you know, big question mark slash light bulb in their head of should we do this and gets, you know, blackmailing really Lawrence to get on her side, which he does. And that works to her advantage. And so when we were talking about the funeral, I worked really close. Elizabeth Moss, who obviously is June, she's also the director of this block and she is one of our producers. So she's super duper involved and who better to have as a resource than her because she's been this character forever. She knows the show inside and out. And Elizabeth Williams, our production designer, and Nicola Daly, who was our director of photography for this, we all like four in my mind, real strong powerhouse women got together and were like, what is this going to be? I mean, there's so many more people involved. Please don't, you know, I'm, but it, I, it's, it was really, really fun. And but the women. I, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I had a couple of inspirations for the, for the funeral for Serena. It was sort of, I'm a really big Star Wars fan. And so it's this kind of like, you know, my Darth Vader moment with the cape flowing behind her. And that's the one scene when yeah. she opens up to go to the world and the little flutter of the cape behind her. It was really like magical for me to see that. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. I wanted to meld her into a grieving widow, a mother-to-be um, meets, you know, a powerhouse and a commander type flavor and you know marry those guys together yeah. she was scripted to be an all black head to toe and when I was sourcing things for her I came across this midnight till fabric and I was just like I have to have this this is it this is the perfect blending Wait, so that's not black. no it's a midnight teal when the light hits it in certain shades it's it, it it's a silk velvet and it's magical it's magical drops the mic leslie drops the mic girl yes i love that <laughs> so it was just sort of i saw that and then of course i you know had to go get my best pitch on why it's not going to be all black it's going to be this and i was just really lucky to have the support of elizabeth moss elizabeth williams nicola daly they came we were you know showing the samples and everyone's like oh my gosh this is even you know better than what we thought and then then the whole juxtaposition of june and luke at the ballet you know, white's kind of a bit of a danger color often in film and we stick it, we don't really, you know, white's a tricky color for anyone to pull off in a lot of ways. And um, it was to, in that moment, to showcase hope and peace for June. In that moment, she's on this dream date. It sort of was a lot, like if you, if for those eagle eye watchers and listeners, there's a scene where Moira and Rita and Luke and June, they're playing board games and Moira is sort of talking as June's sort of in her world about, oh, and when you guys go on your dream date to the ballet, it was sort of in the history of it was like a promise when they got married that this was something that they were going to do. And then of course the world falls apart and Gilead happens and they never got to do it. So when Luke finally gets her back, he's like, you know, I, it was 
sort of in our world, like he, he's pulling out all the stops and that's why they have these nice outfits. Like they've spent every dollar or he's gone somewhere and, you know, procured these outfits. And it's the only time we will see June this whole season in a dress. And that was very purposeful. And it was about her having some hope. She's come out of such, you know, a very traumatic many yeah. years of being Gilead and coming out and trying to assimilate back into a life that she's still not very comfortable in either, but she's trying to surrender to opening herself back to receiving Luke's love and receiving peace and hope again in an, a world where it's been anything but for her. So we did make her very pretty and feminine. And there was a whole boot cutting scene between Lizzie putting on her tall black boots and you know, Avon, who plays Serena, putting her tall black boots on all these intercut moments for the for the episode, which was really great. And, you know, the good, the evil, you yeah. know, the light, the dark, all those things. So that's how even we sort of the, even with the shape of Elizabeth Moss dress as June, like even with the shape of it, it read femininity and innocence like that sleeve was just so like, yes, like and like you said, it was just falling into that position. Of, I do want to fall back into my purity and fall back into like this life that I once knew, but maybe even better but than before because I've been through this. So it was showstopper. That's all I can say. That so much. Thank you. It's like, and then, I'm very happy. I, I'm really like, I am really happy with how it looked. I thought it was very yeah. regal. This, you know, the funeral, we really wanted to be a state funeral. And um, my, a lot of my inspiration was Jackie O. I, I drove inspiration from princess diana on every show in some way shape or form because she's the epitome of elegance and you know that it was sort of it was bringing all these things in of looking at um big big things like events like that and how do we meld them all together i love me some gold any day of the week so i had to have gold accents on everything <laughs> the commanders looked sharp they looked so sharp they what? they were a level they leveled up I, I I I'm very happy with them they looked delicious in my mind and but still very um everything I really wanted everything to be very uniform very succinct and when they're walking down the procession that everything was just you know um just so I guess I'm not really sure how else to put it but it was very yeah totally what was the red fabric that you used under the handmaid's black um for the funeral. So the handmaids are wearing their traditional red gowns, like okay. their red dresses underneath. That is, you know, they, sadly, they don't get anything special. Uh, the black wings, the you know, and the capes, of course, are because it's the funeral. And then it was, it's red silk chiffon um, fabric that's sort of, you know, stitched into a, into a thing that sits under their head to get, and it just gets tucked in and no skin showing. Everything was about showing no skin, mm -hmm. being really creepy you know, we really wanted to have that really sinister slash creepy yet good. beautiful aesthetic happening. Yeah, it looks really, really bomb. Like that was just, it was phenomenal. And then we also see Hannah who appears at the funeral front and center, which is major shade, <laughs> major shade. Um, but we see her in lilac, which is foreshadowing really again, another opportunity for you, Leslie, the designer to say, hey, I'm here. Like <laughs> you're, you're coming on the stage once again. And it's the plums. It's the introduction of the plums, which we haven't seen um, a class system introduced since what I think it was season two. And so I would really love some insight into how you went into designing for them, the, the plums, which- Yes. 
So the plum again, season five. Wow. Who, who could not want to do this? Right. When all these things and there hadn't been a new introduction of any kind of color or class system in Gilead. And I think it was in season two for the colonies, I think was the last time yeah. they've gone, you know, handmaids has gone to other cities where they've seen commanders and things in other places, but nothing else that uniform sort of been, you know, Anne Crabtree did an amazing, amazing job in season one and two to introduce all these really cool, iconic looking elements to the show. And for me, it was just building on that and pushing it a bit more. And so being able to be the first designer to introduce a whole new class system, it really was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> and the plums, they are, so they are the daughters of prestigious or high ranking commanders and wives in Gilead. And what were they? Who were they? How are we going to introduce them? And it was really important at the funeral that they got introduced without telling anything else about them. Because of course, for two more episodes, it's all, that's all June can talk about. What does this color mean? What is that's happening? That's Hannah, you know? So yeah. I, I was trying to think like, how can I give the, everyone a little tasty morsel, but like, you know, not reveal too, too much. And it was really fun to play around with the coloring because in previous seasons, little boys wear like this powdery blue and the girls wear the powdery pink. And I was played around with dyeing those colors to see what would come out. Wow. And of course, much softer purples and lilacs and everything else. But then as I dug a little deeper into like, who are these girls and what does it mean? And what am I trying to say visually about them? I realized in actuality, while outwardly they are the daughters of these commanders and wives in Gilead, they're biologically almost all babies of handmaids and people that were stolen from. So then I started playing around with different shades of wife teal and handmade red and trying to play around with dye samples of that to see what would come up with it. And they, there was a lot of, there was a lot of samples <laughs> and I just sort of narrowed it down to about, originally, I think I had about 10 that I thought were like, you know, really, really amazing. Yeah. Showed Elizabeth Moss, showed Elizabeth Williams, the production designer, showed Nicola D, our, you know, daily RDP. We all, and then we whittled it down to about five to show to the higher ups. And then, you know, it just sort of snowballed from there, which shades were going to be, because throughout the series, it's not just one specific kind of like the wives. Yeah. There's a little bit of an arc in the color family to show what they're doing. And then at the funeral, when we see them come out mm -hmm. for the first time, I stayed in a 1950s undertone for them. Like a lot of the wives had traditionally been prior to my season, because I've sort of gone more into like the late thirties, forties um, silhouettes for my ladies. And, um, but I stayed for this in the fifties sort of undertone. And I did a version of like a 1950s swing coat with the collar, like the collar's actually removable on the coat. We never ended up removing it. We didn't use it again, but I made things removable. And it's because I didn't want them to be in a cloak just yet because they are the wives in training. And so I didn't want them to be there yet, but I didn't also want them to be little girls. I want them to have shown a sign of maturity, but what is that yet? We don't know in this moment. So that was kind of how we came about with the plums. And of course, you know, the, the tights, we had to dye all these tights, this like, you know, the shades to make things match and yeah. trying to find footwear that was purple or plummy or this everything had to, you know and then the tones and the ranges like how does it all look and then how will it look standing next to Serena when she does and it was just a lot of it was a lot of coloring you know coloring book type moving pieces around on boards to see how they lined up 
And it was really, really fun to do. I had a great time doing it. That's incredible. And really, that's what this interview, I'm so glad that you touched on that because that's really the heart of that. Like really digging into the costume designer. It's such a big role. I tell like people all the time, it's such a big role. And there's such, there's so many stories behind what you guys do. I never would have known. Like I never would have known the process of you going through all of the shades and mixing the colors. And that's phenomenal. I am just like, I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> It was really fun. It was super duper fun. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. There was a few samples. We're like, whoa, what is this color now? That is never gonna get used. It was a, there was a few doozies in there. I can't lie, but for the most, I'm part, pretty sure you created really your own color. I'm pretty sure you created your own color. Like it, it probably is not a color that existed before. You could probably name it on your own. Like you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and look into that see, for my so capsule collection at the Banana Republic. I will. Uh, It'll be a nail polish. Like it'll be a nail polish collection. <laughs> there you go. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love that too. Um, and then we see um, June in a lot of neutrals throughout the season as well. Like, so as she's in Toronto, we see her in a lot of neutrals. We also see Serena in a lot of neutrals, which was interesting because she is so gung-ho about like the class system and where she sits in it. And so for, when she stepped foot into Toronto, it was just interesting to see her in neutrals. So I just wanted to know like, you know, just the story behind the neutrals that play into the season as well. Cause there's a lot of color, but there's also a lot of, you know, different shades of tan and ivory and white. And <laughs> so for June, for me, um, the neutrals, yes, because, um, Again, trying to create very stark visual differences between Gilead and Toronto. June has spent, you know, how many seasons in red? It's a very iconic costume. It's really amazing. It's so recognizable. And how do I give her an identity that's so different, but powerful and iconic in its own way in her free world? So that was part of that. I will tell you that Elizabeth Moss has a superpower and it is that she can wear any color. And I'm not kidding when I say that. She can wear any color. I, I was blown away. I was just like, and I would do, she would come into a fitting. I'm like, just for, just for fun, try this on. No one can wear this color. And then she'd come out looking amazing. I'm like, dang, like you just did it again. It's just like, you know, so that's her superpower, everybody. And um, it was, it was creating, you know, this aesthetic for June that, you know, she's almost in a way kind of like a journalist that goes into war zones you know, blends in with the environment, but I still had to have her stand out in certain ways. So yeah. it's using colors purposefully on her and silhouettes and cuts to showcase that when you're watching a scene, obviously she's the focal point without it being a smack you in the face. So it was, it was a lot of, when I do all my fittings and I come up with all the, the looks and everything else, I, it's a game of cut and paste. You know, I'm sitting there in, in the fitting room on the floor, like I'm on the floor with all my pictures, putting what I like for what's, you know, obviously June's always the starting point of something. And then how do I make sure that everyone is complimentary? Now I'm always looking like what's complimentary if she's in a scene that's heavy with her and Luke, I'm always trying to do opposite colors of the color wheel for him so that they're super balanced in a scene. And then if Moira's coming into it, like, how do I, what side am I going to go on the color wheel for Moira yeah. to bring her in? And it's sort of playing around because in a, in a series or anything where it's ensemble and you're trying to make sure everyone has to have their own presence. And it was really important to me this season to create 
their characters to define their characters now and find their look what that is and then make them fit into that and the neutrals were because again so many sharp strong primaries in gilead how do we use non-primaries in toronto but still have color and depth and texture yeah. to bring life and i really wanted to that was the other thing too was using pockets zippers putting accessories on like you know we put this we introduced a necklace in june at the ballet mm -hmm. and that's been getting interestingly a lot of buzz everyone's like what does this necklace mean and everything and it was because i really wanted to create uh and not just for her i'll give you a little another one is um but for june specifically it's a locket and you know liz and i would always joke around in the fitting room like who's in the locket today is it hannah and nicole is it luke and nick is it Lawrence? Is it Serena? You know, is it, yeah. you, know, it, you know, who's in there? And we just decided that we would never reveal. So it was a bit of fun that way. And try to give them, you know, she was never allowed to have anything yeah. in Gilead. So it's a, it's a piece that Luke, you know, we see Luke putting the necklace on her. Mm -hmm. It's prominent but not always in your face in all the scenes. So sometimes it's under the t-shirt, you can just see the chin, you know? So it's something that has gotten some deep meaning for June. And what is that meaning? I leave that up to the audience and uh, to, to, you know, to battle that one out. And um, it was the same thing for the Rita character. It's like, how can, you know, when we're trying to develop these characters and how, where they are in their journey now, where are they and how more are they going past the trauma and healing or are they not? And, you know, Rita, we gave her a single pearl necklace and I have, everyone's like, what does that mean? <laughs> and it's sort of, I look for deeper when I'm giving these things, like, what does this mean to me? What is this? And for what was really cool about Rita's is we delve back into, I can't remember what season two or three where she's talking to June and she talks about her son that went in the battle, like the war when Gilead started and he passed away. It's actually his birthstone. So, um, wow, so, come so, on, detail. The devil is always <laughs> in the details. I love we it. We looked, we, you know, we talked about that. Yeah. And myself and Amanda Burgle, we were talking like, what, what is it we gave, we had some different little things. And as I looked deeper, I, you know, reached out to what could I give her that something meaning from yeah. her past, because now she has the choice. Yeah. And that was something that we thought would be super special that maybe only really eagle eyed fans might clue into, or right. maybe they won't, maybe they won't know. Cause maybe it's a bubble too far, but she did talk about her son and this and we you know she references that necklace a few times and we're just trying to make little fun little subtle things that are important to the character but not necessarily uh on show for everyone to figure out right away yeah I love Leslie that's phenomenal that's like expert that's expert level designing like that's fabulous I love that and thank you for sharing that with this audience thank you it's, it's stuff like that's really fun character like you know character development is what costume designers are all about right we love creating these characters and bringing them to life we're visual storytellers so it's all about giving the visual cues right and it is fun to do certain little things like that I love I do that on every show and it doesn't always have to mean anything to anyone watching it if as long as it means something to myself and the actor that's portraying that character but this was for handmaids. It was really fun because it, these details are what I think super special and important. And um, I just, I'm not on Facebook, but I am on Instagram. And, you know, I see people tag me and ask it like, you know, what do these mean? What, and I was just kind of like, do I answer that? Or do I like hold off for a little bit? And, and so um, 
it's been fun to share some of this now. So yeah, yeah, it's fabulous. I'm so glad you shared it here. And I just wanted to um, just get some, a glimpse into your department. Like, what is it like dressing that many background performers? I mean, that's like, that's background on steroids, I would say. (laughs) Well, I tell you, so when we shot the funeral ballet episode, that had been at that moment, the biggest episode ever done on the show's history we had over 700 background they were dressed head to toe in uh you know the Gilead attire we had 30 costumers on the day in like we would have the commanders group the wives group that you know we were all we had we had this big we were using this big huge hockey rink as the holding and we had these big you know this is where if you're a commander you go here if you're a wife you go here and it was like that it was all it was really a logistical ballet of sorts as well and as a supervisor I'm sure you know you can really appreciate what goes into that and my supervisor that you know Patricia was so phenomenal and so instrumental in making this happen so shout out to Patricia and my whole crew my whole entire crew And we had so many day players and weekly calls that came out to be part of that. That was for the shooting side. Then we also had 30 costumers come in at night to wrap all these costumes out, re-prep them for the next day, like doing the laundry, doing the steaming, make because they were all continuity background performers. So everyone's name, every costume was tagged. So that's a whole big process. So then we had the day crew and the night crew, the day crew, the night. So we did that over three days and then wrapping it all out. So that was like insane. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like everyone's like, I can't believe you pulled it off. And I'm like, I know it's crazy. It's wonderful, blah, blah, blah. And then of course, flash forward to the last two episodes of the series. And they're like, you did so great. We're going to give you more. And I was just like, what? So then the the finale, the last two episodes, really the finale episode is now the biggest the biggest to date, we had over a thousand background and that whole sequence, although it's more contemporary clothing because it's in Toronto and it's taking place, I did a whole, I don't know, sometimes, you know, costume designs, we have these great ideas and you're like, oh, see, so this will be great. Then you're like, what have I done? Um, sort of, um, I was over dyeing all the stock to create a certain tone so that in these moments on the train, when they're you know, in the train station, how can I make sure that June and Serena and Luke all pop without it, without people really recognizing what I've done. It's not like people would look and go, Hey, she's over dyed all these background. It's not, but that is what it was. And that was a massive undertaking. All the stuff had been over dyed. We had weeks and weeks. We had been shopping all the clothes because we had to, of course, dye everything. And then we had to pre-fit everybody. And again, like I said, it was like over a thousand background, then the uniforms that were involved and then making sure, you know, Lizzie and, you know, Yvonne, like it was, it was, so that became now in the show's history, the biggest for BG and all of those elements. Oh my God. <laughs> well, no, it seemed like a good idea at a time. I was like pitching it. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this whole thing. It's going to be super great. I'm going to be out. And then as I get into it, I'm like, oh my God, what did I, what have I promised? <laughs> but no, it makes you a great advocate. And it goes, again, it goes back to what you were saying in the beginning about sitting in every seat of the house. You know what it takes to pull that off. You know exactly what it takes to pull that off. So you're, you remain that kind of advocate for the department and for the people that are working on your team to say like, this is, we need 30 people. We need 30 people at daytime. We need 30 people at nighttime. Like I need extra seamstress. I need colorist. Like I need illustrator. I need 
I need, you know, and so your expertise gives you the ability to advocate, you know, on another level. So that's phenomenal. I love this. So what else can you tell me about season five? Like who, now that you've gotten into the characters, who's kind of your favorite character to design for? Ooh, that's a toughie because they're all so great in their own way. I loved what we did with Moira this season. Talking with Samira, you know, she's a super fun, cool lady in real life and has a great you know, fun side and flair. And we did really want to make Moira a little more, I wanted to bring a little bit more color back into her, like not make her so like sad Smurf. You know what I mean? Like she's she's the furthest out of the journey, like than anybody because she got out so long ago and she's been working and really, um, you know, for the refugees and she's really invested in like, so she's, and she's trying to be that beacon of light and show people that she, this is what you can, you can survive. You can get past this with, you know, and I sort of, you know, I really was adding a little bit more graphic tease in her. We did, we did a, you know, some, some depth underneath. She's again, layered. She's really cool. Always got cool shoes and cool kicks on because that's who she is. Like it's it's sort of you know I just really was really really happy with what we did with her. She was super happy. Play she can wear lots of great colors. Again, there's a lot of color, but, but like slightly dialed back, a bit muted. So it's not it's not like you know we're not on the CW where you know and I've worked for and CW's you know got a lot more color and splash and fashiony and it looks amazing for those things. We're in a very deep show with a lot of trauma and you know subjugation and suppression and so it's trying to you know so you have to keep all that stuff in mind and um so I really did love it same with Luke we really found Luke's who is Luke this year Mm -hmm. um Mark Tuello character I mean talking about a tall drink of water and uh he's he just looks delicious all the time he was really Uh great (laughs) yeah he's good I mean obviously you know June was so great Rita I mean they're all so great in so many ways um I did really love Serena doing Serena for sure because it was a great way to bring her out of Gilead and when you had asked you had touched briefly before about her you know the the neutrals yeah in a lot of her costumes I really kept some hidden teal everywhere whether it was very muted and pale her blouse has a pattern it's a it's a teal it's a it's a muted teal and taupe and cream colored blouse. Um, You know, we did a lot of that until when she comes back uh, into the Wheeler house, it's kind of then she sort of, she sort of departed for a couple of outfits to more neutral tones because that's Mrs. Wheeler. And Mrs. Wheeler is like driving that boat. And that's why she was like in the cream oh. blouse and the in the beige skirt, because Mrs. Wheeler is very much in those colors. Yeah. And then when we see her go um into the when she gets arrested and she goes into the holding cell, because it's a it's it's not jail, which a lot of people may or may not know. It's not actually jail, it's an immigration holding detention center, the IDC. Mm-hmm. And um and um 
we did, I custom made all the yellow jumpsuits, which they were, they were a crew favorite. Everyone's like, where do I get one of these? Where did you buy those? And I, I, wouldn't like, mind, I actually wouldn't mind having one. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're like, where did you buy those? I'm like, I bought them in the costume shop where they were designed and handmade people. I, <laughs> so made, look, I made them. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's part of the banana Republic capsule collection. And, um, and, um, and, uh, um, right. And so they were really fun. And, when she comes back, that's where we see her again in teal. Like now Mrs. Um, Wheeler is enforcing, I'm the boss. You're now like, I couldn't put her in red. Like, you know, the whole thing is about making Serena be a handmaid in a different flavor in the Wheeler house, which she realizes. So it's bringing her back to that. So there's a lot of hidden teals in a lot of her looks and keeping that undertone. Like she's wearing a blouse. It's a really dark, deep teal. You know, she has a blazer that's deep. Teal. Like so it's, it's keeping in that to keep that because Serena really believes in Gilead. At the end of the day, she really does. She thinks there's a lot of positivity about how that society and how that nation can, you know, survive and be the beacon for hope for repopulating the world and everything else. She understands there's some, 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 road bumps that need smoothing out but uh but she does and so you know I wanted to make sure that we showcase that while she's still in Toronto and it's interesting so because her being in those neutrals actually speaks to what she's willing to do in order to protect that society that makes sense when I say you have fans you have fans and people are tapping but that was the purpose yeah that Mrs. Wheeler's like sort of been getting like you know Mrs. Wheeler's affluent they have lots of money doing the wheelers was also super fun introducing this new like couple of they're not quite gilead they're not quite toronto you know it's like if gilead and toronto had a baby it's the wheelers you know what i mean and <laughs> so they, they they straddle both lines they have power there but power here so and it was kind of more that Mrs. Wheeler was having her clothes purchased for her in Toronto and she emulates in the scenes what Mrs. Wheeler's wearing like tonally yeah and that's where that came from that is phenomenal Leslie that's that's top notch that that is top notch costume designing um I do want to ask you about just the difference in industry because I know that you are a dual citizen you're both um a British citizen and a Canadian citizen um, how is the industry in that in those areas? Obviously, you're one of the top designers of the hottest shows in the world right now. Gosh, I need to take you everywhere with me. You're a good friend. You my, listen, oh, my spoken, word. <laughs> when I say like I really am okay, into we'll talk story. after this. <laughs> I really am into storytelling and I think that you do it phenomenally. So um when I say that you are the costume designer of one of the hottest shows in the world right now. I mean that, like, I mean that in all sincerity, I'm not just blowing smoke, but I do want to know about your experience in the industry, um, in Britain and in, you know, Canada, how is it different? And do you enjoy it more? <laughs> Are you ever in the States? Um, so it's, I've only, I've only shot, I was shot in in Ireland um, and I have shot like in the Dominican Republic, which is neither kind of like for anything, but uh, the, I'm a dual citizen. My mom's from England and all my mom's family. So um, I was lucky. I was sort of decided many moons ago, I would get my citizenship 
in, you know, listen, I'm not going to lie. Back when I got it, I was still on the floor. You know, I was looking for my Chris Hemsworth that I was going to, you know, become his personal dresser and go around the world. You know, I was like, it was like, that was the, that was the driving factor back then. Um, I do have a, you know, so it hasn't sort of transpired yet to go and do some, you know, phenomenal show. I did go to Ireland. I was shooting on a television series for the CW called Rain. And um, we did get to go to Ireland. It's different. The work life balance is quite different there they have shorter hours which they adhere to which is really nice because it gets a little bit away from us here in north america i think and the sort of structure of the department is slightly different for the set side i mean you know you still have your office side of things your buyers your supervisor and all that good stuff um so my my experience is pretty limited to be to be really honest in terms of shooting in europe i mean currently available if anyone's out there and um, <laughs> but um so I think it's you know that that side of stuff I mean I'd love to come back and talk to you after I get some fabulous show there and and be able to tell speak to it more unfortunately I can't speak to it too you know too too well but uh trying again that was a thing too is opening I'm all about getting cool experiences and different you know, opportunities to go and be part of it's it, for costuming that, you know, I, I'm very involved in some costume committees and uh, an alliance here in Toronto, where I do a lot of, I believe very strongly in mentorship and training. So I do a lot with the education. I try to give back that way. And I would love to be able to go abroad to other places and see how it's done and embrace that and, and learn from that myself. Like, how can I be better at what I do? without, you know, if you go and you have these amazing experiences elsewhere, you can bring back all that knowledge and the way people do it and, and just continue to really hone in all your own skills that you already have and what you bring to the table and what other people, it's the same thing. Like I've never had the opportunity to go work in the States in this capacity. I've shot in a couple of places in the States back when I was on the floor. Um, it's a bit of a different ball game and it is a little trickier to come to the U.S. as a Canadian versus, you know, the we, you know, it's a little easier, I think, for Americans to come into Canada. Yeah, there's different, different, I think, labor laws or different rules or whatever. I'm not sure. I would love to. I mean, you know, Atlanta's a you're in Atlanta. Atlanta's booming. I'd love to go to Atlanta. I'd love, love like I on you. my big list. I have. I'd really love to do a real true Western and a big epic war movie. Like those are two of things on my bucket list. So, you know, the war movie would have to take me to Europe and the Western where I could go to the state, you know, I would love to be part of that and, and experience that. And I really think what helps to make you creative and help you bring ideas and imagery, because again, being a visual storyteller to the table is having these experiences, meeting new people, being in new places, seeing what, you know, people watching, people say to me all the time, I'm sure you've experienced this yourself in your career. It's like, you know, you bring a great sort of character piece, like, and you know, producers are like, what is that? Nobody does that. I'm like, and I'll pull up photos. I'm like, yes, they do. Look, I was sitting yeah. here at this cafe and I was watching. Look at these people walk by. This is real. Like, it's like people watching is the best way to get inspiration, you know? And uh, and it's, it's amazing. And style is so subjective. You know, everyone has their own personal style and it can be anything. And when you take it all in, it's it's amazing. 
Yeah, I love what you've done this season. Um, I look forward to what you're going to do in the future. I know that it's going to be phenomenal. Um, my last question to you is how would you want, I know we have the we have the Banana Republic line coming, we have the nail polish line coming. <laughs> how else would you want your work to be viewed? Like in retrospect, do you want like a coffee table book? Do you want like a documentary series about, you know, your work? How would you want to be viewed in retrospect? Honestly, um, I don't, none of that is really required. What I would love to leave as sort of my imprint and, and my mark in, in the costume community is I would like to be known as um, a good mentor. I would like to be known that uh, as a good trainer that I've given back, that people uh, go walk away from working with me and be like, wow, I just learned so much on that show and look where I am now seeing people that I have taken under my wing and seeing them now flourish and they're all doing so well that brings me a lot of joy like seeing that I mean it's sad too because I'll never get them back because they've like outgrown me and, and it's like you're like oh dang but uh but seeing that and seeing that that they're having the success that really brings a lot of personal joy to me I don't need the you know it, it's sort of letting go of the I'm really happy to come here and talk about what I do. I'm excited and passionate and I have fun. Like I it, having fun is a really big thing. You go to work for so long. You have to really enjoy what you're doing. Doesn't mean you don't have bad days or some days are harder than others. Of course, that's true. And, but overall, I really do love what I do. And I would like to be known to like instill that in people uh, in that work for me that, um, you know, and, and just a real collaborate. I, I like to be very collaborative and user-friendly, I guess. And that, I don't know, nice. I don't, I mean, you know, the capsule collection, nail polish, sure, all that re really is fine. I, I think that it's important to give back. I, I really, you know, when we first started talking, I truly believe that I had been given some really amazing opportunities. And yes, as an individual, you have to grasp them and go for it and work hard. But in our industry, as you are well aware, it is about networking, who you know, somebody giving you an opportunity. And without the people that believed in me and took a chance on me, I don't know that I would be sitting here talking to you today. And so it's really important to me to give back that way. And um, I think that's kind of more as, you know, what I would, what would mean more to me. Yeah, that that's perfect. And it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And I can say that you're well on your way. I've learned so much just in talking to you here. I'm going back to watch the funeral episode because I cannot believe that that's not black. <laughs> no I believe it but no seriously I've learned just so much in talking to you I know that my listeners are really looking forward to this episode um and that they're gonna really enjoy this episode just because of the light that you've shined through costume storytelling so thank you so much Leslie for your time thank you so much for being a kick-ass costume designer and really taking the driver's seat of this show and doing phenomenal things with it fashionably forward colorfully just delightful just it's it's phenomenal it really is well thank you so much I've really enjoyed talking to you it's been really fun and I'm I'm glad to have been a part of it and I can't wait to you know I hope the fans get uh get some of the uh, some of the questions answered and it and will, I for, just, sure. <laughs> for sure it's been so great and I have to say like you're I just wanted to mention real quick that what you it's so great like I know you talked to Gersha not that long ago it's like uh, you're it's really amazing these are really fantastic because Gersha you know I know Gersha from here like yeah, I've never yeah. worked with her but 
it's like some of the stuff that like the questions are amazing that you're asking and to bring light to what we do is so fun because that's what we love to talk about you know all the casts are always talking about their care all these different things and um it's just been really fun to share some of how we created it and everything so thank you so much for that thank you so much again And thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. Take care until next time.